0: You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Church and Pleasant Green Road. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here's our pastor with this week's sermon. It's good to see everybody here. We're uh, thankful for the opportunity that we have to worship the Lord in so many different ways. Uh, We we know that very often when we think about praise and worship, we think about uh, music, and rightly so. But the worship is not just focused on just the music. Matter of fact, the music is helpful for us to to be able to enter into God's presence and sense his presence and be able to worship him through music, but also in preparation of our hearts toward worship through what we just did in giving. That's an act of worship. And also the, the preaching and the hearing of God's word is also an act of worship. So everything that we're doing in our service today is an act of worship unto the Lord. So um, as I get ready to share the introduction to you, I just want to go ahead and get you to be turning in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 15. Uh, when we get to it, I have a couple of things I want to share first before uh, we read the passage uh, because I have to, there's, there's something I just have to get off my, my chest. I have a, have a confession to make. Uh, I thought about confessing this to the guys on Wednesday night, but it just didn't seem like it was the right time and thought maybe, maybe in the morning service when I'm standing before the whole congregation would be the appropriate time for this confession. Um, I watched a Hallmark movie <laughs> and I liked it. This was a, a little over a week ago. On a Friday night, uh, Susanna and I were gonna take my, my mom and my stepfather to our niece's graduation. And uh, it, if you remember that day, it was it was rainy all day. It was cold, and so it just turned out that it wasn't the best thing to do. So they decided, we're not going to go to the uh, to the graduation. Let's just hang out at the house. They're, now, their normal thing on a Friday night is uh, that's kind of their date night. But here, their date night now consists of a Hallmark movie and a pizza. So and I, yeah, I support that. I love it. Uh, matter of fact, so Suzanne and I were talking. We said, well, if, they, if we can't take them to the graduation, maybe. What we should do is just go over, and we can have dinner with them, hang out for a little while, and then, and then go back home. So that's what we did. We, we actually picked up the pizza and went to my mom's house. So we're uh, sitting there at the table and enjoying some conversation. And, and then the question comes up, and I hadn't really talked to Suzanne ahead of time about this. A lot of times, you know, if you're, if you're like me, we have a little strategy when you're entering into a certain situation. Okay, what do we do if this happens? Uh, well, we didn't really do that ahead of time, so we're sitting at the table and, uh, and we're eating and, and the question comes up, hey, do you want to stay and watch the movie with us? And my first response was avoidance. Now, guys, I don't know if you've ever done that. You kind of try to change the subject. Well, I'm not really, can you have me another piece of pizza? You know, just kind of just change the subject a little bit, but But then I started thinking about it, it's a Hallmark movie, you know, Hallmark movies are all the same, right? You got the same, it's the same storyline, it's just different faces, different names, right? Two people go through conflict, and then they come together at the end, and happy ending. Well, my mom was saying, well, this Hallmark movie is, it's a a mystery. And I went, wait a minute. Now, you've probably heard me share stories before, you know how I love mysteries. Um, And so that kind of got my attention a little bit, a mystery really? She said, yeah, it's a, it's a mystery. I said, well, hmm, that's kind of interesting. And then I also knew that there was popcorn in the house. So if you know anything about me, mysteries and popcorn, you put those two things together, you got me. Okay, two hours, gladly invest two hours of my time to watch a mystery and eat some popcorn. So we spent the next couple of hours uh, watching this movie, and it was actually pretty good, uh, if I can admit that. Uh, so, And I don't want to say I'm hooked now, but Suzanne and I have started to kind of look up these mysteries, Hallmark mysteries, and ways that we can find them and watch them together. So now the reason I'm bringing this up is the idea of a mystery. You know, as I mentioned, I like mysteries. We're, We're going to look at a mystery in Scripture this morning that is known as the mystery of marriage. Now, when I bring that up, sometimes some of the guys in here are saying, Yeah, it's a mystery. I still hadn't figured it out. Still working on that. Uh, and it is an ongoing struggle that we, you know, as we wrestle with what is this relationship called marriage all about. How do I, how do I live out uh, my life and, and my marriage in a way that honors God? But the neat thing about this mystery that we're going to look at in Scripture this morning, it's not the kind of mystery that just is, a, is an ongoing thing where we don't have the answer. You know, I, I, I do like those kind of mysteries that I read where you you just have to wrestle through all of it and you got to figure it out. Matter of fact, one of the things that came up with this movie uh, I'm used to reading Agatha Christie novels. I don't know if anybody's read any of those, but they're very complex. There's a lot of things going on. There's relationships that you know about, things that you don't know about, and you can't really figure it out until you get to the end and the big reveal comes. You go, whoa, I didn't really see that coming. Well, that's not that in that Hallmark movie, I didn't know my context. so I was asking my mom ahead of time, is this, is this one of those mysteries that is really deep and complex and you have to figure it out or is it really surface level and you can just, that's an obvious thing. Uh, so I, I need to know the kind of context of the mystery that I'm reading or watching so that I can, how do I figure this thing out? Now the context here is sometimes it, it's important to know who the author is, right? Agatha Christie, complex. It's difficult to figure out. Others might be kind of skimming the surface and easy to figure out. Here we know the author is, is God Himself, the author of Scripture. So we know that God, uh, in His goal in Scripture is not to keep us in the dark or confuse us. The kind of mystery that's here is a mystery that's revealed. So He, he, not, he doesn't leave us in the dark, He gives us the answers. So as we think about this mystery that we're going to look at in, of marriage, In Scripture we need to approach it realizing that it's not something that we can't figure out. It's something that God explains to us And so we're going to look at that explanation in Scripture this morning And we're going to see when we're talking about marriage. We're talking about a picture or an illustration a shadow if you will Because there's something that is much deeper that's going on here than marriage So marriage in and of itself is not really about Marriage in the human aspect of it now it does play out that way but there's a deep spiritual truth that underlies this relationship, this human relationship that we call marriage. Uh, It points to something much bigger. It reveals something about the the author. It reveals something about the creator of marriage. And these things are so important and foundational to our understanding that we can't can't skim across it. Uh, We're gonna read about and think about a, a relationship here, a relationship that involves um, love. It involves forgiveness. It involves sacrifice. And it involves submission. Now, I'm going to take that word and I'm going to address it right up front. I'm not going to save it toward the end, like we're going to figure out how we can use this word and dance around it a little bit so it's easy for us to, to take in and doesn't offend anybody. Submission. Right up front, right out of the box. We've got to address it, and it's foundational and it's important to understand this relationship, not only this relationship called marriage, but this relationship that happens between a holy God and sinful people. Submission is so important to our understanding of who we are and who God is and what our relationship between the Lord and us looks like. So we can't skim around it, we've got to embrace it. Matter of fact, if you don't understand and embrace the concept of submission, then I'll go so far as to say that you are not truly a follower of Jesus Christ. See, for us to understand scripture, for us to understand where we are and understand our need and understand how it is that we can come into a right, right relationship with a holy God, we have to understand and embrace this idea of submission. My idea of salvation before I was saved was uh, my works. It it was basically based on what I thought. Okay, so the idea of submission on a big picture is uh, yielding my understanding and my will to, to God's will. And that's the only way that you can be in a right relationship with a holy God. It's not your choice of how it works, it's God's choice. And God has explained it, and we must submit to God's will in this area. So you need to submit your life to Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, then you're not truly saved. You're not in that relationship that redeems you. So I'll give you a basic definition of submission that will help us here and then will help propel us into looking at the human relationship that is described in scripture. Submission, putting the will or needs of another before your own. Putting the will or needs of another before your own. That's submission. And we're going to see how this plays out in marriage. So the idea is we all must submit to God in our lives. We all must submit our understanding and what it is we believe uh, to God in all areas of our life. So basically, I want to make sure that you understand this message applies to everybody in the room today. It's not just a matter of if you're married. Uh... If you were married in the past, if you're single, whatever uh, area that you find yourself in at this stage of life, this message applies to you. So the question up front is, is Jesus Lord? Is Jesus Lord of your life? And if if you do claim him as Lord, would you say that he's Lord over every area of your life? And that includes, if you're married, that marriage relationship. Is Jesus Lord? And have you submitted your life to Him? Have you surrendered your rights to your Redeemer? Now, if your picture, if your story is not, uh, doesn't line up exactly with the way Scripture describes it here, you know, everybody in the room has been through some difficult things, and I'm sure there's people in the room have, have, have gone through marriages who, which didn't look exactly like Scripture describes it here. And there's difficult things that have been involved in your life. It may be Divorce. It may be that you desire to be married and you haven't, haven't found that person yet. But the thing that I want to encourage you with is just like any other area of our life, that grace is here. Uh, forgiveness is available. That Jesus it stands ready to receive and forgive and redeem uh, any area of your life if you would just turn to him and seek him. So grace is here. So as we start off this morning with a submitted mind and a submitted heart, then we're gonna approach scripture and see what God has to say about this mystery of marriage. And just a quick hint, it's not about you, all right? So if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter five, we're gonna start in verse 15, and uh, I just wanna ask you to stand if you're able as we read and hear God's holy word. Do something a little different. I'm just going to pray first, read it, and then we'll, we'll pray again after. But uh, if you'll just join me as we pray before we read. Father, as we approach your word this morning, uh, we fully recognize and understand that we cannot fully understand or grasp the meaning here apart from the work of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I pray that we will, each as we approach your word right now, that we will submit our minds and our hearts to you and what you want to say and teach us this morning. Lord, this is the most important part. What I have to say after, I pray, will be appropriate and applicable and and correct to what the text says. But we know as as we read your word and intake your word, something supernatural happens just in that. So let us not approach your word just with a flippant, let's read it and then move on to talking about it. Let's approach your word with with a heart open to God speak to me this living and active word of yours that will penetrate my heart and show me and reveal to me uh, wrong thinking. It will convict me where I need to be convicted. It will encourage me where I need to be encouraged. And, And Lord, may I just yield my will once again to yours. So I pray that each heart in the room will will have that posture, Lord, as we approach your word, as we read it now. So Lord, we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Ephesians 5, I'm going to start reading in verse 15 and reading through uh, verse 33. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray one more time. Father, again, thank you for your word. Uh, help us now as, as we talk about it and apply it, Lord, to, to apply it per- appropriately. I know that different people in this room are in different places in relationships. So, uh, Lord, may, may the words that I say be clear and faithful to your word, and may you help us apply what your word has to say to our lives individually and specifically. We just love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, We are uh, continuing in this uh, series on family and welcome home. So we're looking at different aspects. Last week, obviously, with Mother's Day, uh, Pastor Bob focused on mothers, and it's going to end up the series on Father's Day with the role of fathers. So I have the privilege today of of focusing on marriage and looking at uh, a spirit-filled marriage. And the reason I chose that title was because I love to talk about marriage in the context of uh, walking in the spirit, because that's really where the strength and the and, and the hope in our marriages is truly found. But we're going to look at three things this morning as we think about this passage. We're going to first of all look at how marriage is established by God. Marriage is established by God, and this is where we need to start. The foundation of marriage. Where did it come from? Now, I could. Each one of these sections could be a message in and of itself. We could do a whole series just on marriage. So I'm going to have to skim across the top a little bit. There's a couple of places I'm going to dig down a little bit so that we can really look at our own lives and apply what God's Word has to say. So uh, first of all, the the reality that marriage is established by God is so foundational and important. And we see uh, this establishment in verse 31 of what we just read. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now this, this is a, um, a repeating here by Paul of uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, so if you want to make note of that, this is what is being quoted here, but the, what I want to look at this morning is I want you to get, turn to Mark chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 9, because this is where Jesus actually uh, does quote uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, but In his words, Jesus is giving uh, the definition of marriage. And a lot of people today think, what is marriage? How how do we define marriage? Well, I will tell you that marriage is defined and designed by God in his word. And this is something that's being attacked in our culture. It's this very real thing that we're dealing with. And I know everybody in here knows that and has seen it. But the context here is uh, Jesus is being confronted by some Pharisees, and, and as Jesus normally does, sometimes he's asked a question because people are trying to trap him or trip him up or whatever, but Jesus knows their heart, so he'll take the question, and then he'll turn it into a teaching that's foundational of, of what he uh, wants them to know and understand. So while the, the question has to do with divorce, or Jesus takes that, and he talks specifically about marriage and what marriage truly is and gives, a, a, gives us a definition of how God has established marriage. So as you, as you look at verse 6, and there's several things in here, and I, as I read this, I want you to think about how, how marriage is being attacked in our culture today. And every angle that you can think about that, that people and the society is trying to attack marriage is actually addressed right here. And we can see it by what Jesus said. Now, the other part of this is we understand that not only is Jesus addressing the situation then, he's addressing it for us today. You know, none of this stuff that we're encountering today is is catching God by surprise. So let's let's look at how Jesus defines uh, the establishment of marriage. Okay, so verse 6, because he's addressing the issue, but he says, but from the beginning of creation. So right there, he's already saying there's other things going on, but, but here is how God established it. At the beginning, at creation, this is God's design. So very clearly, Jesus is identifying uh, what God's design is for marriage. All right? From the beginning of creation. God made, all right, what did he do? He made them male and female. So right there, we have a, a clear differentiation in, 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 our, in sexual identity. Is that not under attack today? Now, I want, to, I want to be careful with some of the things I'm saying. I'm, I'm going to be forthright and just straight out because that's where we need to be. Now, as we approach and deal with issues in our culture today, we need to stand on the Word of God. All right? Now, this is, this is the way that as you look at how, how is Jesus approaching the situation, that when a, when a question comes, he responds. Now, Jesus always responds with grace, right, because he is the very definition of grace. But he does so with truth. All right, so our response should be similar. So the idea is not that we uh, bash people over the head with truth, but we deliver truth with grace. Sometimes we miss out on one or the other. We're we're very truth-oriented, so we say, here it is, you're wrong. Or, well, you know, I need to offer grace, and maybe you're right, and I'll just back off of you. No, it's both, both together. So we approach these situations with love and grace, but with truth, and we don't need to back off of what God says about marriage. So. God made them male and female. Okay? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. And what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And there's a lot in there. There's a whole lot of stuff in there that we don't have time to dig into too deeply, but the idea that that is being uh, attacked today, there's several pieces. First of all, the male-female part, the, uh, the two becoming one, the exclusivity that goes along with marriage, the intimacy that should take place as two become one, uh, and also that God joined and no man should separate, so permanency. So all of these areas, you know, it's like, well, you know, marriage, if, if it doesn't work out, then we can, all kinds of excuses to, to separate divorce but Jesus said from the beginning, it was not so. That's not God's design. So what we need to, we need to make sure that we start there because God is the definer and the designer of marriage. He established it. He has the right to. Because he created it. It doesn't mean that we have to uh, agree or like it. God said it. Uh, he established it. Sometimes it's hard teaching that we have, but the reality is God has the right. And we don't have the right to, to overturn or change that which God has clearly defined. So marriage is established by God. Secondly, marriage is explained by God. Like I said, I could go way deeper on that one. But we need that foundation. So don't lose that foundation of being established by God. But it's also explained by God. And we see that uh, as in the Ephesians passage as we go back there and continue in it. Uh, first of all, that uh, this mystery is profound, which I love that word profound, it's awesome, it's deep, it's amazing. So this, this is a, uh, it's just, it's an amazing truth that we're looking at here. And this is the first time this, this mystery has been revealed in scripture of, of the reality of looking at what marriage is actually all about. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So marriage ultimately is not about marriage. It's it's actually a picture, a reflection, a shadow of another relationship. And that relationship is between Jesus Christ and his church, his bride. And we cannot understand the human relationship of marriage if we don't first look at the relationship between Christ and the church. Because that's what it's founded on. That's what it's a reflection of. If we don't look at that and understand it first, then the way we define and work through our human relationship is going to be inadequate. It's not going to be biblical and appropriate. So what does scripture have to say about um, that relationship? Verse 23 says Christ is head of the church. Verse 24 says the church submits to Christ. So we see clearly a a way that, that Christ relates to his church, but it doesn't leave it there. It gives that that uh, organization but there's so much more that plays out that we're going to look at and we're going to equate it to what that looks like in the in the relationship between a husband and wife so this ultimate reality plays out in a picture that we know as marriage so first of all I'm not going to read back through the whole passage but I'm going I'm to pull out certain parts along the way that give us an understanding of the role of, a, uh, of the husband role of the wife and again this applies to all of us in here as we think about Uh, that relationship and what it should look like. Um, The husband must lovingly lead his wife. So the husband must lovingly lead his wife. So first of all, what is love? Love is putting the, the other person's needs or interests ahead of your own. Putting the other person's needs or interests ahead of your own. And if you think through that, that's uh, love and and that definition in that context of understanding it, it's a choice that you make. It's an action that you take. It's not a feeling. Now, the Bible does talk about feeling side uh, of love between husband and wife. But here, the idea is love is putting the other person's needs or interests ahead of your own, the choice that you make. So uh, the loving leadership of a husband, then, is servant-oriented, and putting his wife's interests ahead of his own. It's not a right, it's a responsibility that carries a tremendous amount of weight. Now the perfect example obviously that we're going to look at as we consider that relationship has to be Jesus Christ, right? I and mean, if we don't look at the loving servant leadership of our Lord and Savior, then we will never understand what it really means to be uh a servant leader as a husband in the home. You've got to look at the example of Christ. So Jesus's love is our example. And we see uh, three very specific ways in this passage that Jesus expressed his love for his bride. First of all, in verse 25, we see a, a selfless and a sacrificial love. What does it say there? It says he gave himself up for her, right? And we know what that means. We know what, to what extent that went. We know that the the amazing grace and the love that was that was shown through the cross as Jesus gave his life for his bride, and we're so thankful for that. I mean, were it not for that, we would be without hope. Uh, Jesus Christ took the punishment on himself that we could not take he, he gave himself up for us. so as we think about that selfless sacrificial love, we need to look at the cross and understand that he gave himself up and he died, but the other part of that, and the thing I like to, to, to really dig into is that he also lived for the church. He also lived for us, if you think about it. Because when we think about this relationship, this human relationship, you know, guys, you know, we, we're, it's pretty easy for us to say, yeah, I'd die for my wife. I'd take a bullet. I'd throw myself in front of something to save her. Absolutely. I think every guy in here that's married would, would say I would do that for my wife. But what about living for her every day? What about the, the difficult things that, that you encounter through life? Do you live for her as well? Are you willing to, as the definition of love says, put her interest ahead of your own? Are you willing to serve your wife? Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Uh, Jesus lived for us, he gave himself for us. He, he was selfless and he was sacrificial. So what does that look like in, in a practical term? Um, depends on where you are in life. Hey, if you've got kids in the house, right? Do you, guys, do you, do you help your wife take care of the kids? Change diapers? Help put the kids to bed? Say, hey, I'll, go, I'll take care of the kids tonight. You go off with one of your friends and, and hang out and have some time. Guys, do you do that? I mean, you just look at, the, look at your context of where you are in life. You can see areas where you can serve your wife, if you really care about in serving her and sacrificing for her, then you will look for ways that you can provide that selfless, sacrificial love. Verse 26 and 27 talk about a transforming love. And we see a lot of words in there uh, that kind of tie in this idea of transforming type of love. Uh, sanctify, wash, present, uh, perfected. You know, there's, there's this idea of the kind of love Uh, that you extend to somebody that transforms them. It it does something very deep in their life, and it changes them. Now, we know, guys, that we're not Jesus. And wives can say amen to that, right? All right, but the reality is there's a picture here of that our relationship should look like that, but the reality is we know that we are not Jesus, and we can never do what Jesus can do for our wives. So the idea of the transforming type of love here is do everything you can to get her to Jesus, right? It's not you that changes her, it's Jesus that changes her. So so what are you doing to encourage your wife or put your wife in the path of of a relationship with Jesus, a growing, vibrant relationship with Jesus? If you want to see more intimacy in your marriage, then there needs to be more intimacy with, with Jesus, all right, so if you, if guys, if you want to see that and you want to see a growing, vibrant relationship, then, then do everything you can to, to get your wife closer to Jesus. So how do we get close to Jesus? All right, we got to be in that relationship, right? We've got to be in his word, uh, doing what you're doing today as part of that, gathering together with other believers, and just having that time of worship. Um, you have to create the environment, and this is really what spiritual leadership, in my mind, is all about. Uh, you can't. First of all, you can't take someone where you haven't been yourself. So, men, uh, for us as husbands, what we need to be doing is growing in our relationship with Christ, and then taking hold of our wives and say, "Come on, let's let's go together." But you need to you need to walk it first, and then you need to lead your wife in that way. That's what. I believe Jesus desires as we provide spiritual leadership in our home. So put your wives in the, in the close to Jesus, uh, put that relationship in her life first. So, and also we see not only a selfless, sacrificial love, transforming love, but also a treasuring love in verses 28 through 30. A treasuring love. So the, the idea there expressed through the words like uh, nourishes and cherishes, uh, the idea of treasuring is to value deeply, be aware of needs and take care of them. You see another little interesting phrase in there, it talks about as your own bodies. So as we consider ourselves, we know what we need, right? I mean, you, you have an idea of just walking through life of if you're hungry, you know your body needs food. You know, if you're getting out of shape, you know you need exercise. You know your own body, whether you respond to that or not is another matter. That's your choice. But the reality is, as you know your own body and what your needs are, that's the type of thing and awareness that you need to have as you treasure your wife. You need to, to know her and understand her so that you can be aware of her needs and take care of them, nourishing and cherishing. So how do you get to know your wife? You gotta, I like to use the term, be a student of your spouse. You need to know what makes her tick. You need to know what troubles her heart. You need to know what encourages her. You need to get to know her so that when when those times come, that you can be the one that, through a nourishing, uh, cherishing relationship, that you can provide for those needs. And very often, again, it's not you that that has the answer. Jesus does. So you need to make sure that you are working through and providing answers through his word or putting her uh, relationship with Christ first. So just... Kind of in summary of those things, and we're thinking about leadership and servant leadership, you know, we we know the picture of Jesus washing feet, serving in that way. Um, but as we think about these aspects of love and we think about the, the marriage relationship and what this might look like, I want you to think about a good leader. And you probably have certain people that come to mind uh, who provide good leadership. Uh, to me, uh, we, we we too often look at our culture. We look at... Uh, examples and definitions that are not biblical, but we look at what our culture has to offer as examples of good leadership. To me, a good, uh, a good example of a leader is somebody, first of all, that understands the mission. All right, so you need to know what you're about, if it's an organization or even as an individual. What's your mission? What are you about? What is it you're trying to accomplish? And then as you think about the mission, then you need to think about the people that God brings into that work with you. People are part of the process. So in the marriage relationship, if the husband is a, a servant leader who is, who is loving his wife well, then he's going to know the mission of what this relationship is about, and then he's going to provide the leadership knowing, loving, and caring for his wife to the where they're working together as, as they work through walking through a, a relationship with Christ and living for him. Uh, knowing the giftedness of the people around you. So a good team and a good leader for a team is gonna know how each individual part of that team is gifted and what, what they bring to the team in order to accomplish the mission. It's very similar in the marriage relationship. Uh, knowing the strengths of your spouse and knowing what it is that uh, as a wife that she has, is strong in encouraging that and, and, and fanning that flame, so to speak, so that she can be all that she can be. And then also setting the tone. For all of that, a good leader will do those things. So, I just want to challenge a a few groups of us this morning in this area as we think about men lovingly leading wives. Men, I, I just want to encourage you if you're married right now, you know, there's some of you that you feel like you're doing pretty well there, others thinking, I got a long way to go. Well, again, grace is here. God provides what you need. You know, turn to Him and ask Him for strength and for help. And then put yourself in some relationships to where if you see somebody else, another man, who you think, hey, they're doing it well, I just want to learn from you. Start a conversation. Uh, these, these relationships that God gives us opportunity, we can grow in these relationships if we'll just embrace them. Let our guard down and just ask questions. Can you help me in this area? Pray for each other. Uh, we have a group 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 of guys that meet on Wednesday night. There's a group of guys that meet Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, and then there's other things that are going on that I don't even know about. Praise the Lord. You know, guys get together and just be accountable to each other and encourage each other and pray for each other. We need that. You know, God gives us this, this great thing called the body of Christ where we can encourage each other and challenge each other along the way. So the husband must lovingly lead his wife, and the wife must Willingly submit to or respect her husband's loving leadership. Now, we definitely, we just talked about what that leadership should look like, guys. So if we're doing that, this other part we're going to talk about, pretty easy. But if we're not doing that, it's very difficult. So let's, let's start there and then understand the whole picture and support what we're talking about with good definitions. And when I say good definitions, I'm talking biblical definitions, not cultural or even traditional Just because something was practiced and done a certain way in the past, and you hear people say it all the time, well, back in the 50s and 60s, we did it like this. It was a lot better then than it is now. may have been in some areas, but the reality is some of the things that went on then were still not biblical. So we need to make sure that our definitions are biblical and not just historical or cultural or even traditional. All right, I love the way John Stott puts this. He says, the wife's submission is but another aspect of love. What does it mean to submit? It is to give oneself up to somebody. What does it mean to love? It is to give oneself up for somebody. So thinking about submission, put the will of another ahead of your own will. Love, put the needs of another ahead of your own needs. They're very similar if you think about it. So who is our perfect example in both of these areas? Jesus. Did Jesus submit? Yes, he did. Did Jesus provide loving leadership? Yes, he did. Jesus is the perfect example for husbands and wives in the way that we're to operate and live out our lives. So we can look to him. Jesus submitted to the will of Father. There is no greater picture than, than God in understanding loving roles, relationships, submission, all of that is, is in view as you think about God. Jesus Submitting to the will of the Father, not my will but your will be done. The Holy Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit's role? Point to the Son. So there's an idea of submission there. Will we say that any aspect of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is any less important or equal than the other? No. But there are different roles at play. So we can embrace that as a beautiful picture reflected in God himself and what it should look like in our relationships. And it's a beautiful picture, but the sad thing is we've let the, the, the culture and the, the breakdowns and the things that are going on to just tear apart what God's design actually is. And what, what, was, what caused that? <laughs> sin, right? Sin distorts God's design for this marriage relationship. And we know, you, you know the story. I'm not gonna go through the whole thing again, but we know how sin entered in. Right? Now who, who was the instruction given to to start with? Adam. All right? Uh, a lot of times we'll point to what well, Eve's the one who did this. Who did God come looking for? Adam. Adam was held responsible. Now certainly there were consequences for sin that it impacted everybody. but even then, God uh, shows that that responsibility and that leadership was put on, on Adam. And what was one of the results of the fall? Genesis 3.16, if you want to look it up later. But what it says there is uh, your desire, talking to the woman, will be for your husband. And let me, let me tell you, that's not a good desire that it's talking about there. All right, your desire will be for your husband. And the, the husband says that, uh, that he shall rule over you. So here's where the breakdown comes. Women uh, are going to resist the leadership of the husband and actually desire his role. So that's the desire it's talking about there. Desire to have that. Men are going to rule over. And all these, these are all distortions of God's perfect design. So that the idea is not ruling over, but guys often become dominant or passive. They either say, it's my way or you know what? I'm just not going to deal with it. I'll just back off. You do what you want to do. All distortions of God's design and what he desires from us. You know, there's just a, a it, our culture actually has played right into this, and this, the distortions to what we see in our culture are why we have such a hard time in embracing a God's design for marriage. Um, there's a couple of things, I've, I've talked to a lot of different people, uh, done premarital counseling, been in the office with people who are struggling with different things, or just talking about marriage in general. Here's a couple of things I've never heard. In all those times. I never had a had a man come in and say, I just can't take this anymore. This woman, she she just she loves me, she 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 listens to what I have to say, she she serves me. I, I just can't take it. I've never heard that. I never had a woman come in and say, This this man, he's just driving me crazy. He's just wanting to serve me all the time. He's he's putting his need my needs ahead of his needs, and I just don't know what I'm gonna do with myself. I've never heard those things happen. So I would say this. Uh, if you want a, a strong marriage, a growing marriage, then I would, I would embrace what it is that God says that we are to do, and then we're going to watch how God works and encourages us as we, as we fulfill these roles that he's given us. So uh, I have a little bit of news for you. So husbands and wives in this situation, bad news is you cannot do this on your own. All the stuff we just talked about, you can't do it on your own. But just like the gospel, you know, that's the bad news. Here's the good news. The good news is that we know the one who does provide the power to accomplish these things. And just as we bring this all together, the third point is marriage is empowered by God. God. Marriage is empowered by God. And we, we saw that in that first part of the passage that we read in verses 15 through 21. So the actual context of the description of the marital relationship is the context of spirit-filled relationships, the context of walking and submitting to the Spirit. That's what the first part of that passage is talking about. So all the relationships that follow have to do with uh, walking in the Spirit, submitting to the Holy Spirit of God. So go back to the question, do you want an awesome, intimate, growing, and fulfilling life? Do you want an awesome, intimate, growing relationship with your spouse? If you would answer yes to that question, then I would say there's only one way to do it. That is to submit to God and walk in the Spirit. It's not going to happen any other way. You can't do it in your own power. You're going to fail. So we need to recognize that marriage is empowered by God, submit to God, and walk in the Spirit. So the, the final thought I want to give you in that this morning is, is invest. Um, invest in the relationship. Take what you've been given. This is basically how investment works, right? You take what, you, what you've received, and then you invest it. You apply it. Very often we take the approach to the marriage relationship um, what am I going to get out of it? What do you have to offer me? What's in this for me? How are you going to make me happy? But if we start, don't start there, but start with what do I have to offer this relationship? What do I have to invest in this relationship? If we start there, here's what we're going to recognize. Now, you're going you're to say, what do I have to offer? I don't have much to offer. Well, in and of yourself, you don't, to be blunt. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, what have you been given? You've been given grace. You've been given forgiveness. You've been given mercy. You've been given the riches of glory. We have that that we have received that we can, in turn, invest. And that's what I believe God wants us to do. Invest that which you have received from him into your marriage relationship. We would see marriages flourish. We would see marriages glorify God. We would see tremendous things happen if we were to do this and submit to God in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll I'll leave you with this, this last passage for you to think about and how this can work out in your life. We know the Galatians 5 verses 22 through 23. The idea there, fruit of the Spirit. So if we walk, if we are walking in the Spirit and we are living a life that honors God individually that way, and then when we're extending and investing that fruit into the relationship that we call marriage, here's what some of that's going to look like. You know the words. It's a beautiful picture. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Wouldn't you love for your relationships to look like that? Well, that... Only comes from the Holy Spirit. That only comes when we yield to the Holy Spirit, walk in the spirit and submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. That's where we need to be this morning. That's the kind of marriage relationship that honors God. So I just want to encourage you with that, challenge you with that. and if you're, if you're in a place right now where you're going like, "I need some help, how do I do that? You're in the right place i will be glad to talk to anybody about it. I'm, we, we just need to be in a relationship where we're real with each other and let God work and do the, the great work that he wants to do in our marriages. All right, let me pray for us this morning. Father, we thank you for just a tremendous blessing that it is to know you and walk with you. Lord, we thank you for the, the reality of, of uh, what it means to be a follower of Christ, the reality of what it means to, to walk in the Spirit and have the fruit of the Spirit available and part of our lives. And so I just pray right now, Lord, over the marriages that are represented in this room. I pray over those who aren't married right now who are, who desire it, might be moving toward it. Lord, that you would uh, encourage us by your word, challenge us by your word. I just pray for those that are single, Lord, as they even consider the people that they're dating or uh, moving towards a relationship with I pray for the young ladies in this room who aren't married yet that they will look for a man who exhibits this kind of loving servant leadership before they even start down the road. Uh, pray the same thing for guys, Lord, that, that we as men, uh, whatever area or state of life that we're in, will we'll look to submit our hearts to you first and look to serve those you put in our lives. Lord, may our leadership look like the leadership of Jesus. Father, uh, I just pray over marriages that are, might be struggling right now, too. Uh, I just pray that you will encourage and, and see, uh, help each person in that relationship see the need they have to yield and submit to you first. And then as a result of that, that their marriage could, could flourish and grow. So uh, I just pray, Lord, for strength in those areas. I pray for people who need help to seek it. Uh, I just pray, Lord, most of all, for you to be honored and glorified. And this is really what this is all about. Uh, thank you for for a church where we can come together and and share truth. Thank you for the freedom that we have, Lord, and uh, just pray that you'll do a great work in our hearts, and Lord, and that we'll respond to what it is that you show us and teach us. We just love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, during the invitation, um, I just encourage you to respond however God leads you. Uh, it may be that a husband and wife are here and... and um, you just want to pray together. might be right where you are. You might want to come to the altar. Guys, good opportunity for you to take the hand of your wife and say, hey, I, I just want to pray for us. You may never have prayed out loud with your wife before. Just don't worry about that. Just talk to, talk to Jesus. Let him know what's on your heart. Um, whatever it is, if you, if you uh, just need somebody to pray for you, Uh, I'd encourage you to just come up. I'd be glad to pray for you or you just want to kneel at the altar. Uh, Maybe you're here and you've never, you just thought about this idea of submitting uh, your will to that of Christ just outside of the marriage relationship, just in your life, period. Maybe you've never done that. I want to encourage you today, don't ignore what God has shown you this morning. It may be that you realize now that I've never submitted my life to Christ. I've never taken that step of understanding that he has provided for me that which I can provide for myself. So I'm gonna turn over my will to his. I'm gonna submit to Christ. If that's you this morning, I just encourage you to respond to that. So whatever your need is, whatever's on your heart, this invitation time's for you. So if you'll go ahead and just stand and just respond as the Lord leads you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. for our weekly worship services. If you have found this resource helpful, please share with others and check out our other ministries at ebcconnect.org.